Welcome to the Eplorbus Cast. I am your host, Sophia Nelson. Today is Sunday, April 12, 2020, Easter Sunday. Welcome to our special Easter Sunday segment. This past week, the world celebrated Holy Week, the week leading up to Easter Sunday. For Christians all around the globe, this is a sacred spiritual time, perhaps now more than ever, as we are in the midst of a global pandemic that has ravaged Europe, specifically Italy, Spain, France, Germany, China, South Korea, parts of Africa, Latin America, the UK, and indeed most of all, the United States of America. This week alone, the United States has lost over 18,000 of our fellow citizens, with more than 500,000 citizens infected. In that spirit, today we have a special segment for Easter Sunday. All week, we have been having some courageous, compassionate, and character-building conversations about how this virus is changing our politics, our faith, our connections, and our families. Because when all is said and done, we are all in this together. My guest today is special to me as we have been friends over 10 years now. Reverend Adrian Blair Wise serves as assistant to the senior pastor for spiritual formation at Metropolitan Baptist Church in Largo, Maryland. She also serves as regional chaplain to the North Atlantic region of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, also my sorority. She is a new author of the book, Wise Women Pray, 31 Days of Prayer to Fortify Your Faith, a book that I encourage all of you to buy right now on Amazon, ladies and gents. It's a great gift for the woman in your life. Reverend Wise, welcome to the Eplorbus Podcast. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Um, I know that you have allergies and you're a little bit under the weather. So thank you for joining us on your Easter Sunday. I know that uh, it's a busy day for you and the church. And uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is, uh, Reverend, tell us how this coronavirus is impacting the church, uh, both globally and uh, more importantly, I think, locally. Um, thank you for that question. I. I often say that the church isn't a building. Too often we make the church about brick and mortar. And I think this is an, a, an excellent example of how we had to become the church without the four walls of what we have now been, been knowing as the sanctuary, the sacred space. Wherever we go as, as the body of believers, we should be taking the church with us because the, the church is a mindset. It's, it's a buy-in to a principle, a concept, a belief. And I think this virus, this breakout, has forced us to reevaluate and reassess, especially in light of when you see people who are still making a decision to gather worship that I think it's a misplacement of one's understanding of what the church really is mm -hmm. and so I think this has been this has become or should become one of the church's greatest moments if we would take advantage of this opportunity and really see it for what it is that this is now not the time for us to fall back and just kind of wait it out. No, this is an opportunity for our light to really shine in the midst of darkness. 
for us to really be seasoning in a bland land, to really be the hands and feet of God. So I'm excited about the potential, the possibility that can come out of this season of uncertainty of the unknown. Yes, there's things that are going on that could make one very anxious and even fearful, but I think also it's a great opportunity for one to activate one's faith and belief in really what it is that we have said that we really believe in. You know, um, I agree with that. You know, you grew up in the church as I did, uh, and we often associate our worship and our connectivity uh, with sitting in the sanctuary. Now, of course, the Bible's clear. We need to be among the household of believers. We need that connection and it's important, but I agree with you. I'm watching churches do amazing things right now and I'm watching people understand that we are the church, that we are God's instruments. And uh, I think I agree with you 100% that this is a big moment for the church globally. Uh, whether you're a Catholic, whether you're a Baptist, a Protestant, a Methodist, an Evangelical, whatever you are, uh, this is a moment where we've had to be creative, right, to touch people's lives. Um, talk a little bit about, uh, Reverend, what you're hearing um, in Maryland. Maryland's one of the states that is affected, uh, like almost all of us here, particularly on the East Coast and the Southern region of this uh, country. Uh, we're on lockdown, and I know that Maryland um, was one of the early states to do so, but how is this affecting people in your church, and 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 even in your role in uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha as chaplain, what, what are you hearing from people? How are they coping with this? Well, I think one of the great things that have come out of this, for, for me personally, I think God was very gracious that he's allowed us during this season to even have access to things like cell phones, the fact that we can do webinars, Facebook Live, that we're able to do conference calls, that although we're not physically able to gather, that we're still gathering through these means, through technology. And I know for our church in particular, I lead a 6 a.m. prayer call during our Lenten season every year for at least 10 years. I've been leading this. And we've been doing this prayer call Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., just as an example. We're going to continue it. We usually would end on Good Friday for our Lenten season. We're going to continue it since we're still going to be in. But from that, we've also now incorporated Zoom and we're doing webinars. So our Sunday school will be running in between our two services tomorrow on, on, on a webinar. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we started Bible studies. I teach women's Bible study. I think I had 51 women on the webinar Thursday night. Nice. The men met today. We have a Tuesday night Bible study. There are a variety of ways every ministry in our church was asked to at least host one webinar to become acclimated with the technology. So now they're doing their ministries through webinar. We've been reaching out to our senior adults, our our deacon board. They've been calling all of our seniors doing check-ins. Ministry leaders have been asked to check on all their ministry members, staff ministers, myself included, we've been checking on members. Mm -hmm. So all of us are taking this technology and trying to use it to the best of our ability to keep people connected. Mm -hmm. 
because it is challenging. Many of our members are singles, especially many of our senior adults. Mm -hmm. They're single and living alone. So there is another level that some women, I I was on a webinar at eight o'clock this morning. We had a webinar and a prayer call, but we just gave an opportunity for women to check in. It was our women's ministry. Let us know how they're doing. And some were admitting that they're becoming a little anxious. They're becoming, um, they're trying to figure out their next. Many are, again, single, living alone. But the reminder is, but even if you live alone, you're never alone as a believer. And so the fact that we're able to connect, able to share each other's hearts and that there's no judgment if someone is wrestling with being anxious. It's just don't stay there. Mm-hmm. The hope is that we'll continue to edify our faith. We'll continue to get into the word of God and renew our minds. You have to, if you're going to watch any news for any given period of time, you're going to have to turn it off and reshift and regroup yeah. and recalibrate and reset so that you can put your mind back in a mindset of faith because it is enough to give you the heebie-jeebie, so to speak. So what you're saying, what I hear you saying, just to put a, a fine uh, point on it, is you're, you're saying that you're hearing, and, I, and all the other pastors I had on this week and other folks, whether they were politicians, pastors, or pundits, which is this week, what I called this week to have all you on, uh, anxiousness, fear, worry, mm-hmm. um, not sure what happens next. 17 million, Reverend, 17 million of a of our fellow Americans have lost work. They're out of work. In the Great Depression over three years, 13 million jobs were lost over three years, which gave us the Great Depression. We've lost 17 million jobs in three weeks. Put that, just think about that for a moment. And that brings me to, I've heard a lot of perspectives on this. Like you, I'm a woman of faith. I pray every day, I believe in God. And although I'm a big believer in uh, science and medicine and all of those things too what is it that you believe god is doing right now the world is literally on lockdown this did not happen with the spanish pandemic flu of of 1918 um and 50 to 75 million people died worldwide from that flu 675,000 americans died from that flu and Certainly, they didn't have the technology. Like you said, they didn't have any way to communicate. I was watching a documentary on Nat Geo about the flu pandemic, and it said that people literally starved to death, the people that were sick, because people were afraid to take them food. They were afraid to minister to them and help them because they feared getting the virus. And thank God we're not living in that situation, and the church has stepped up, and the food banks are are being replenished every day. And... The churches is, I saw one church today in Maryland um, is giving out food cards tomorrow on Easter Sunday. People can drive up. They'll have masks on and they're handing out grocery cards. And, you know, we're all doing what we can. But what do you think, Reverend, in your spiritual center of wisdom? What is it that God's doing? Because God's got to be in this somewhere because the world is literally closed for business. Mm hmm. Uh, I believe we have been distracted by the busyness of life. And I think when we become too busy, some things fall by the wayside. And too often, the thing that falls by the wayside is usually our relationships. And our relationship with God tends to be on the top of that list. And I really do believe that this is an opportunity for us to reset, recalibrate, 
and really begin to spend some time with God. I was telling someone the other day, you know, people were sharing different things they were doing with their time on a webinar the other day. and People were talking about Netflix and catching up on their favorite shows and things of that nature. And I reminded them that this was a great opportunity for us, if we weren't careful, what we didn't want to do is also lose the privilege of having access to internet. It's like, what else are we going to have to lose to for God to really mm. get our attention and wow. to spend it with him? So now we're teleworking, we're homeschooling, we're in our homes, we stay at home orders. And how much of that time are we really putting aside to spend with God? Yeah, amen. And, and so we got this opportunity now to not only spend time with God, he, God is always speaking. The issue is whether or not we're, we're still enough to listen. And we need to listen individually as well as corporately because God has instructions for us. But if we do not take the time to be still and know that he is God, and God oftentimes speaks to us through his word. That's why usually when I'm studying, when I'm meditating, when I'm praying, usually my Bible is open. I have a piece of paper or my laptop open and I'm, I'm prepared to listen to be able to then write down what God is downloading to me. And oftentimes he is speaking to me through his word if I would just get in it. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. That's good. You know, um, I am like you. I believe that we have lost our way. Um, I see it in my own life. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We're all guilty. And we're so caught up in our devices. We're so caught up in our busyness that marriages have fallen apart. Uh, we've lost touch with our young people, kids, nieces, nephews. We don't have time to spend quality time. We don't do the Sunday dinners anymore like we used to. Uh, we're all running about, scurrying about. And I tell you, I've seen something phenomenal, Reverend, in my community here in Loudoun County. I've seen fathers walking with their children. Mm. I've seen yeah. husbands and wives walking, holding hands. People who I know well, who I know have been in some trouble. They haven't even been talking to each other. And all of a sudden they are forced inside. And you see families trying to social distance on their yard and talk to neighbors that they probably hadn't even said hello to and living next to in years. Mm -hmm. And uh, they reported in Venice, in Italy, that the fish started to swim in the canal again for the first time in hundreds of years. You can see them. When you look at pictures and satellites of the earth, the smog is gone. It's cleared up. Mm. What does that tell you about, again, I, I got to believe God's doing something in this moment. Yeah, I believe God can take something that started out being bad and bring good out of it amen and when i think about even the church for for instance that many have written a church off as irrelevant mm. and i cannot tell you the increase that we have seen in people calling the church for prayer i've been on a new a numerous prayer calls over the past several weeks three weeks ago when we i think the stay-at-home order first went out i was on a prayer call with over 1,400 people on the call. People kept getting kicked out yeah. because we, we, we were over capacity. Yes. 
Yeah, I do and those so calls. They week. top out at a thousand. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and so we found out later that them 400 and something probably got kicked out yeah. because we had met the capacity. Yep. But people are calling in because now people want prayer. They're seeking for guidance. They they want counsel. They want understanding. They they want to to is there is there a word from the Lord? Mm-hmm. And people are hungry. There's an appetite. You know. Too often, I think our hope has been misplaced as well. We've put our hope in politicians. We've put our hope in our educational pursuits. We've put our hope in the rise to affluence and gaining power. And it's been misplaced. And I think there's there's a reconciling that's taking place that we're starting to, you know, almost like scales are being removed from your eyes and your ears are being unstopped and hearts are being receptive and and again, people are now, they're seeking, they're, they're thirsty, you know, their appetite, their palate is different. They want something different. Um, I think we really, outside of purchasing food, we haven't re- really been spending money over these past several weeks. And so even being mindful of one spending habit. Wow, that's good. Being that's mindful. That's good. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Now, I know for me, Amazon is owning my life. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. You know, but when I think, but again, when we think about what you said earlier about people spending time with their family members, um, that this is a time is a precious commodity. So the time that you and I are spending right now, we're giving up some of our time, which equates to our life. And I think we were giving up parts of our life to things that really did not serve us with my 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 that's a word there giving up pieces of ourselves to people that we really know if we thought about it don't care about us and then we gave the people that love us the most well let me stop you right there put a pin in that because y'all know i'm like oprah i like that's a tweetable that's a that's a, a powerful word. You said a couple things there. One, you said, Sophia translation, stop being the go-to for people you can't go to. Start thinking about where you put your time. Your mm. time is your most valuable commodity because of all the things we can get back, Reverend, and God can restore, the scriptures tell us anything we lost. But the one thing we can't ever get back is lost time because it's gone when it's gone. And so... That segues me into, uh, I have one question I want you to touch on, and then I'm going to give you the floor. You can take two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, 12 minutes, whatever you want, and give us an Easter Sunday word. But for me, I want you to speak to, because you and I both minister to women. We, You've been on my Woman Code calls. Uh, you know, you've got a new book, Wise Women Pray, which is fabulous. My mother reads it faithfully every morning and talks to me about it every day. Uh, <laughs> I love her. I love her. And, uh, um, you know, we're going to have you back uh, when this is all over to do a podcast. And I'll actually have you go through a couple of your prayers and we'll just do something special on that. But I want you to talk a little bit to the women who are listening, who inevitably and sadly are dealing with domestic violence. We know those calls are going mm. through the roof. We know that there's anger and anxiety men out of work who used to be providers who might not ever raise the hand to their wife or children never been violent all of a sudden um what word do you have for somebody dealing with domestic violence right now other than obviously we need to help get those people out of those situations but in the middle of a pandemic there's nowhere to go what 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 can you say to somebody dealing with that right now 
Mm-hmm. I know that's a tough question I put on you, but I think as a minister, I want to make sure that you speak to that. I think even in the midst of, we got to find ways to help women and men and children yes. get help. I, I, I don't know how else to say that. That even in the midst of pandemic, it does not mean that one cannot still cry out for help. Yes. And, and there are a lot of resources in Maryland, Virginia, D.C. There are hotlines, and I'll make sure to put all those up with this, Reverend. Um, and But I'm sure your church has some resources as well, right, as do others. We, we do. We actually have a counseling ministry. We actually have um, telecounseling going Good. on for persons that's confidential. We also have something called Grief Share that um, for those who are this and I'll come back to that but even when I think personally my mother passed away at the beginning of March and we funeralized her in New Jersey on the 16th of March and on the 18th of March the governor called for no more funerals in the, in the state of New Jersey and when I think about those who are grieving the loss of loved ones and there are many and they're not able to have the closure that goes along with having a funeral service, being able to gather. Even for my family, although we were able to funeralize my mother, we were limited in the people that were able to come. We could not gather as a family afterward to really come together and be with one another. And we're such a close, loving family. And so everyone's normal has been turned upside down. And so even for those who are grieving, those who are dealing with domestic violence, those who are dealing with anxiety and fear, depression, thoughts of suicide. I, I want to share with you, there is, there is hope and there is help yes, out there. there. And do not feel as if you are stuck because you have to be in a home. You may have to get out of that place and get to a safe place, safer than the place that you currently are staying. Amen. You there, Reverend? Reverend, I think we lost you. Uh, we've been having some technology challenges all week to my audience. Uh, it's the podcast. It's overwhelmed with the platform. I'm going to uh, end this, and then I'm going to get Reverend Reverend Wisey there. I think I got you back. Amen. That's the Lord. He blessed us. Um, before we have more technological difficulties, let's do this. Okay. Uh, you're back. We're good. Um she finished her last thought by simply saying, please do not feel ashamed, embarrassed, like like you're alone because you're not. And there is help. And I'll make sure to put some of those resources up, whether you're feeling suicidal thoughts, uh, isolated, domestic violence. Uh, maybe there's uh, abuse with alcohol, drugs at this time. There's help. And uh, you can get through this. But Reverend, what I'd like to do right now, and again, I'm mindful that the technology has been overwhelmed all week. Why don't you take the last, you know, seven to 10 minutes. So whatever you'd like and try to keep it tight. I like to keep these tight, but give us an Easter Sunday word of whatever's on your heart. And again, you can, you can take up to 10 minutes if you want or less, whatever you want to do. And and the floor is yours. I'm just going to let you have the floor. All right. Amen. Thank you for that. I want to say something about the work of the cross. New York Times bestselling author Mark Batterson writes in his book, All In, these words, 
He says, when did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. That playing is safe is safe. That there is anything greater privilege than sacrifice. That radical is anything but normal. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. For those of us who are of the Christian faith, this Lenten season reminds us that Jesus was anything but passive. He was the epitome of passion. In fact, the last week of his life is called Passion Week and culminates this season with Resurrection Sunday. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, the Apostle Paul tells us, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, the cross of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. But too often, many believers struggle to lead a victorious life because the cross isn't their focus. Sure, they may know Christ's death paid the penalty for their sins, but they do not always apply its power to their present circumstances, situations, or problems. You see, for the believer, what Jesus did on the cross is the very foundation for everything God has done, is doing, and will do through and for us in this life. However, if you leave the cross out of the equation, you are left with an empty religion at best that calls for no real faith nor any demonstration of works. You see, without the cross, his birth doesn't carry the same merit. He's just another baby boy born in Bethlehem. Without the cross, there is no hope of forgiveness of our sins. Without the cross, there is no source of healing for our sickness and disease. Without the cross, there is no helper to guide us through the rough terrain of this life. Without the cross, there is no motivation for sacrifice and service. Without the cross, there is no strength to endure the trials of this world. Without the cross, there is no intersection of God's justice and his grace. Without the cross, there is no provision of power to overcome the temptation we will face in this life. Without the cross, there is no victory over sin and death. Without the cross, we would operate from the belief that our salvation is dependent on our works alone. Without the cross, there would be no forgiveness, no salvation, no deliverance, no redemption, no reconciliation, no restoration, no adoption, no transformation, no unconditional love, and no power of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, nails did not hold Jesus to the cross, love did. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, before there could ever be a resurrection, he had to first go to the cross because Jesus was born to die. He hung on the cross so we wouldn't have to. He paid the price for our penalty and secured our salvation. He took the ridicule so we could become the redeemed of the Lord. He wore the crown of thorns so we could become recipients of a royal inheritance. He took a licking so we could keep on ticking. By his stripes, we are healed. And salvation is available to whoever believes. All have sinned, therefore all needed a savior. And I'm so glad that the verse doesn't read, for God so loved the man or for God so loved the white, or for God so loved the rich, or for God so loved the tall or the physically fit, or for God so loved the perfect that never made a mistake or fallen short of God's glory. 
I'm so glad that Jesus didn't care about my socioeconomic status or my gender or my sexual orientation or my educational pursuits or my political party or the family I was born into. I'm so glad Jesus didn't care about my my nationality or my organization affiliation or the country I was born on or if I spoke a different language. I'm so glad Jesus didn't care about my physical condition or my pre-existing health challenges or my mental stability or the struggles that I encountered in my past life. I'm so glad that the Bible says that Jesus loved the Jew, the Gentile, and the Samaritan. He loved the disciples and the common folks. He loved men, women, and children. He loved the demon-possessed, the widow, the adulterer, the fornicator, the blind, the deaf, the lame, the sick, the bleeding, and the crippled. He loved the religious, the self-righteous, the backslider, and the Pharisee. He loved the rich, the poor, the tax collector, the farmer, the fisher, and the marginalized. Jesus loved everybody. Everybody Jesus loved. Even today, Jesus is still loving us. Jesus died so you and I might live. If only we would believe. Amen. Well, I tell you what, if that isn't a good word, I don't know what is. Uh, I'm going to repeat all those things about what the cross is and what it is not. And um, I think that's a great word on this Easter Sunday. Uh, Reverend, you you didn't use near as much time as I gave you to use. <laughs> so, uh, but that's all right. You got it done tight. And, uh, you told me right. to be tight and right. Yeah, tight and right. And uh, sometimes, uh, as my grandmother used to always say to me, a country girl from South Carolina, sixth grade education, you know, the whole woman code is based on her wit and wisdom pretty much that she imparted to me throughout my life until she passed at 75 years of age. It'll be 20 years this year, actually. Hard for me to believe she's gone. If she was still here, she'd be 95. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her. And, uh, you know, grandmothers are special and mothers are special and women are special. And as we close, I'd like you, because you still have some time here, um, I'd like you to say a word to women. Because, you know, uh, so many of us were already busy when this happened and, and overwhelmed and overworked. And now, if you go on Facebook, you go on social media, you see women talk about their homeschooling. They're putting three meals on the table now. I was talking to Pastor Michelle Thomas here in Northern Virginia. And she was like, Sophia, these kids are eating me out of house and home. <laughs> and she said, we, we take for granted how much the schools do for us. You know, the kids get uh, they get meals there they're there you know six eight hours out of the day however long they're in school and her point was is that now it's women are in many ways extra overwhelmed Mm -hmm. um and not having that respite that maybe those of us who are single or you know like you said living alone or whatever the case is say a word uh if you will to women around the globe listening because we have women listening all over um about self-care and I'd like to end that and you can say it to the men too because we have a lot of men who listen but I'd like you to say a word to the women first about self-care because again women took on extra responsibilities because Mm -hmm. now that they're home if they're working from home and they got little ones running around the kids don't understand that mommy has to work when Mm -hmm. mommy's not at the office talk to women about self-care and then talk to our men about self-care again and, and how they can you know not see this as a time where particularly if they've lost work where they're not they're not doing their part 
it, it's just a pause. Um, uh, Dr. Sabrina said the other day, there is purpose in the pause, and I thought that was awesome. Um, talk to the women about self-care and then the men, and then the, the Easter Sunday is yours, everybody. I think, thank you. I think self-care is very important. I shared with the women earlier today on our women's uh, ministry call that this coronavirus kind of hit right around the same time of my mother's passing and us preparing her homegoing celebration. And, and, I, and then I had the flu right, like right in between that. And so dealing with all of that and finding myself, you know, that first week of mourning the loss of my mother, dealing with now we're all working from home, getting in my husband's teleworking, trying to make sure family members and then caring for the needs of members of our church. And one of the things I found myself doing, one of the things I do often, as soon as I get up, start my morning, I have my prayer devotion. I always make my bed. And then I start my day. You know, I start my, my routine. Well, I found myself not getting out of the bed. I found myself, because I didn't have my same schedule, right? So I found myself kind of hanging in my bed and I would just start working on my laptop. And I, hours may go by and I look up, it's 11 o'clock and I haven't eaten anything. And that went on for about a week of me kind of having this laissez-faire, kind of doing things. And I had to snap out of that. And I had to, and I, and I had a conversation with someone. And in the conversation, we were talking about the increase in the number of phone calls I was getting, emails, texts, um, Facebook, instant messages, and people are sharing their heart with me. And the person I was sharing with, we're colleagues in ministry. And he said to me, he said, you're not a civilian. He said, in the eyes of many people, you're a superhero. And right now people are looking to you for hope, for a word of encouragement. They're looking to hold on to something. And I think that helped to kind of shake me out of my place of lamentation. Although again, you know, I'm grieving the loss of my mother, but I also have a heart for God's people. I'm also trying to do self care um, because I'm not still feeling well. I'm trying to care for my home, my husband. So I got all these things. But that thing resonated with me in such a way that it snapped me into a new place that I started getting up, going back into my regimen, getting up, getting dressed, doing my hair, putting some makeup on, getting myself together, making my things to do list, you know. And one morning my husband said, where are you going? All dressed up, you know, he said all dialed up. I said, I'm going to work. He said, you're going to the church? I said, no, I'm going into this dining room. And he kind of laughed because we were doing our first webinar as a staff. And what I wasn't going to have, I was not going to be looking crazy on that webinar. My first one you know, as a staff, I was like, no, I'm, I'm going the way I go any other time. So that I had to shift and I've been doing self-care. There's a certain time I got to shut things down. I love baths. I love lighting candles. My husband teases often that I think I run a spa up in here. And I was like, so be it. Whatever you need to do. And I think everyone needs to find the things that serve them, that feed their spirit. I love music. I love reading. So I've been trying to do those things. I've been getting on the treadmill. I've actually lost 15 pounds 
in 2020. Now, some of that was intentional. Most of it was, but we have been eating more healthy. I've been working out every day. I've been getting on the treadmill. I've been doing yoga. I've been stretching on my exercise ball. I've been very intentional about my intake of water, my, my vitamins, what time I'm going to bed. Now that's still a little off. My sleep is, I'm a night owl by, by nature, but I'm trying to, again, I hope to come out better on the other side of this, that when people see me, they're going to say, hmm, Reverend Wise got fit in doing, doing the stuff. <laughs> amen. You know amen. So I do. I, self-care. I do. Self-care. Yes. Spiritual yes. disciplines. Yes. You know, you know every day, like yourself, every day I have a routine and I, you have to, I've been saying this because I see the same post as you, people drinking wine, they're, they're eating bonbons, chocolate, popcorn, and watching Netflix. That's not who you want to be because when this virus is over and it will get over at some point, folks, you do not want an extra 20 pounds that you got to work off on you. You don't want to be in a state of depression. And so quickly, uh, Reverend, let's give the brothers a word. How can the brothers keep themselves okay during this and keep themselves mentally and spiritually fit while home with the family? Well, I think stress, I know for, you know, men, some of the, I've talked to some of the men, I think the responsibility of being a provider, of being for for many Christian men, feeling like they're the priest of their home and they have to make provision for their home. They have to protect their home, their families. I think that added level of pressure that is on men at a, at a heightened level. And oftentimes as women, we don't understand that about our men because too often they keep that to themselves. They suffer in silence oftentimes. Yeah. And that yeah. we have to find ways to affirm and encourage them and not necessarily treat them as children, but treat them as the men of God that they are and affirm and encourage them in different ways. I know for my husband, exercising is definitely important for him but also him being able to get out in the yard and at least, you know, he can go out there and play, touch his grass, you know, cut the grass, do something that is edifying for him. You know, the care of our home is important to him. So I think for men to find those things that nurture your soul, that nurture your spirit, and you do have to be careful that you're not vegging out right now, you know, sports is, they're, they're running reruns of old you know basketball championships and all that because mm-hmm. everything is mm-hmm. shut down but I think for men this is an opportunity for you too to practice some spiritual disciplines get in some silence and reading the word and journaling for me journaling is everything writing down your thoughts your feelings and for men that can possibly be very helpful since oftentimes men don't like to share what they're feeling but you can write it down get it out the stress levels they're saying that during this pandemic that men are are faring worse than women because of the stress levels the you know and oftentimes the stress that's added is self-induced, is self-imposed. Reverend, I also, too, if I can interject there for a moment, you're right, but men, women do something that men don't do, and I want to encourage men to do that, which is talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Y'all should have some webinars, too. You should have some men webinars. We Women, we will talk it out. We're on the phone. We're on these webinars. We are killing Zoom. We're doing it because our conditioning is to be social beings. We are social. Women are. And I think men, like you said, keep stress and pain and fear to themselves. And I just want to encourage the brothers. We are way over time on this podcast, but that is okay. 
It is Easter Sunday. We wanted you to have a good word. We wanted you to have a good dialogue. Reverend Wise, um, I thank you so much for your time because I know today is busy for you and your husband and your family and your church. And I know that you are up, like you said, at 6 a.m. every day on prayer calls. You're doing my prayer calls. You're ministering. So make sure that you you rest too as you talked about. And thank you for sharing. Of course, I'm aware that your mother passed away, but thank you for sharing that with the audience because I know uh, Dr. Sabrina shared on uh, the women's call the other day that she had lost 20-some people from this in Michigan that were either cousins, mm. close family friends, including her grandmother uh, who died in a nursing home from the virus. So okay. this has touched all of our circle. We all know somebody that has it, that's with it, that's passed from it. And uh, thank you just for being with us on today. And God bless you thank and keep you. you. And thank you for what you do. Thank you so much for having me. And let me just leave you with this one quote, um, Wendy Pope. It's a quote that I put in my book. She says, I am not an expert on prayer. I am just a woman who prays. Amen. And That's I think good. that and- ministered to me in such a way that all of us, we're just men and women who are trying to make it through this life. Amen. And if we would just pray and call on God to help us through this, I believe all of us will get through this okay. Well, thank you for sharing again on Easter Sunday, folks. The book is Wise Women Pray. You can get it on Amazon. You can order it online. Go and blow Amazon up. Uh, This this is how we will compensate the good reverend for her time today. We're going to all run out and get copies of the book. Gift them. uh, Because this is a good time to pray, like you said, because we're all focused now. We get it. And so uh, thank you and love you, girl. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye.